grab an envelope. Hi, I'm Kathy. I'm an alcoholic. I've been to many speaker meetings and love them. And now that it's my turn to speak, of course, I'm not terrified. Talking is my sport, but I'm just uh, getting used to the idea of doing a longer share here tonight. Um, I uh, made a couple of notes in case it started getting wonky. Um, I, before that, when I found that I was going to be speaking, I, I was immediately wanted to like, you know, write everything down so I could control it. And then I started asking everybody, old timers, people that I knew, my sponsor who's here tonight, um, what their guidance would be. And they all shined the same light on it. They said, just pray and go. All right, and so that's what I did, and I'm going to try to, to go for. Um, I um, wanted, wanted to share my experience, strength, and hope, uh, so some about my background, uh, some of what happened to me, and then what's going on with me today. Um, I grew up in Austin. I was born here over in the Clarksville area. Um, I was raised by Italians. My mother's full Italian. My father was a mutt. Um, they met early in life. My mother was home from college, uh, so they got pregnant early at 19. Um, and by 24, my mother had four children. Um, so uh, there was a lot of craziness. Uh, the family didn't want him. They came from different sides of the tracks. Um, I didn't know when I was a kid that he was a really bad alcoholic. Uh, all of that came to light later, but he was gone by the time I was eight years old and my mother uh, was in charge of us. Who, in her life and where she was at, and of course as I've gotten into recovery, and then even before I got into recovery, um, I learned about her uh, background and got the backstory on her, which is always so great, you know, in, in anything that we do, and I've really started to respect that in recovery a lot, that um, she, but she moved us until I left home because I had to get out of there four times a year, and one year nine times. So I had very, no roots at all, no modeling from parents whatsoever. Uh, through legal issues and timing uh, against my mother, all right, because of what she was going through also, we were forced to live with my grandparents for a while, <coughs> who were embittered that we showed up, there were five of us. Um, but I got to live with them for a while. And then from there, I, with them, I started learning how to hide who I was. Uh, and I did it very well. No one met me, no one knew me. Everybody that did know me were people that I found out in the world that were like me. Um, and um, so, uh, but growing up in Austin, again, was a, was a it was a, you know, just a, I mean, I had no idea where I was at. I mean, I you know, used to watch Willie at Rome Inn for four bucks on a Friday night and thought I was overpaying to get in that room every time. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so there was a lot of music, a lot of opportunity, you know, for fun and partying. Um, I uh, dropped out of school uh, in the 10th grade. I couldn't keep up. Um, I, uh, uh, there was a lot of abuse going on at home. Um, and uh, so I left and I ended up working and eventually going a lot. I had a couple of jobs to keep myself going and survive. And I ended up going back to school and I studied English and poetry and, and had a minor in theater, which brought me into a world of more partying, severe partying. Uh, most of my friends were uh, gay 
all right, and fun as shit, all right, and uh, we had a lot of fun. And so for me, drinking and drug use became sort of the norm in terms of just like, I figured that's the way everyone did it. And um, so um, I have, uh, there were five of us. Uh, I had an older sister, Reggie. She's a year older than I was. Uh, I lost her when she was 21 at 13. Uh, she couldn't handle the pressure of what was going on, and she started shooting meth and was selling herself to bikers for money for meth. And uh, by 21, she was gone. So I learned a lot from her. She was a great source of contrast for me uh, throughout my life and still is, um, even though I miss her horribly and still can't deal with the idea that she's not here sometimes, of what not to do in my life. And I was able honestly to avoid a lot of like pharmaceuticals. I never really got into any sort of, you know, serious drug use. But I did a lot of psychedelics. And when I was 13, I discovered psychedelics and did those for about two and a half years. And I had a little gang at school and we were dealing drugs and mushrooms at school, making money and skipping school and, you know, stuff like that. And uh, then about 15, I discovered beer. And uh, the first time I ever drank a beer, I was home. And, uh, and, and it's still that way for me. I have a dear, it holds a dear place in my heart to this day. Um, I love fucking beer. Um, so, um, again, you know, back to sort of this, you know, place that I lived where in my mind and in my denial and, and my hiding uh, behind things, which I got to really practice on as with theater as a minor. I did a lot of local theater. All right, for several years, and um, but I never let myself out. And, to, and right now, and a lot of the work that I'm doing right now in my in my program is about me coming out. All right, and, and trying to find my own voice and not hide. Um, so uh, this is a big deal for me. I love to talk. Talking's my sport, but not like this. Um, and so my dad was gone when I was young. My mother disappeared, and she's eventually uh, this crazy hippie lady with all these degrees, and uh, she eventually ended up moving to India. She got a guru there, and uh, she stayed there for about 28 years and has uh, recently moved back to just terrorize the entire family, <laughs> all right? Um, and, and I'm, but I'm sober, and I get to deal with her sober, and it's been difficult for me because there's not really... I don't, can't really say that I resent my mother, but I don't know my mother at all, so we don't have any kind of a relationship. So um, that's something that I want to continue working on. But for right now, I've kind of X'd her out, to be honest, and to stay <coughs> honest. I just can't deal with her. Um, I'm um, uh, the uh, other thing I think that started to uh, sort of ruminate and come up for me as I was growing up was, and when I started to realize that I had problems with my life, is as I watched my relationships start to turn into shit. You know, whether it was at work, uh, or, or with women or men, guys, you know, it didn't matter what it was. It was just always seemed to be some sort of problem with that. So um, I thought that I'd remedy that by uh, enrolling in psychology classes in school. And I spent on and off several years trying to figure out what the hell happened, right? And, and it's all in there, okay? Um, and then I got into therapy. I, I remember I took a second job so that I could afford a therapist because I thought, you know, I really do want to figure out what's wrong with me. Um, and finding a good therapist was hard. 
Uh, but I eventually did have one, uh, find one, and we were together for, at the end of her life, uh, she, she died. Um, but we were together for quite a while, and she was also the person that got me sober. Uh, she, in fact, she told me to come to Bolden. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll never forget, I came into Bolden, um, working on my fifth year right now, and um, I uh, sat right there, and Steve was chairing. It was the 1 o'clock Sunday, and um, I thought, you know, this, I didn't really think when I came in here this is the place for me. I was just really following her guidance and her direction and all of the help that she gave me. She was so awesome. Um, but it's turned out to be exactly what I needed and the, the answer to just about everything that's gone wrong in my life. Um, so um, I had a, um, uh, I have uh, three brothers. Uh, one is my business partner, and he does not have problems with drugs or alcohol. He's an emotional uh, cripple. Um, my younger brother uh, was born when I was 10. He called me mother till he was three. All right. Uh, no one was ever home. We would be left at home for upwards to three weeks. Uh, every four months to five months when we came home, the house or the apartment or wherever we were living would be filled with boxes because it was time to go. Um, so I learned to be, sort of be this, you know, the mommy, all right, uh, really early on in life. And it, and it kind of ended up being, in a way, it would seem like a crutch when I was younger, but it took me far later. You know, I was able to, like, hold on to things in my life a little better when they started to fall apart, uh, especially work, because work was always so crucial for me because I never had anything. All right, it was really important that I be able to hold down a job. And so I started figuring out how to do that and how to manage things. But in the early days, I would like, I needed to get a job. Like, I'll never forget, I went to Tijuana Taco. I was 13. I told them I was 16. Lied my ass off to get that job. All right, told them I knew how to do everything. And then I had to figure it out. And over time, I, what I realized about myself is I sort of became hyper observant, but also hyper judgy. And it kind of screwed me up too from that because I was so afraid of not being able to learn quickly. Um, alcohol and drugs didn't help any of that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, and then, you know, they just, it just went from like one, I was <coughs> one job to another until I realized that it was time for me to figure out how to have, you know, I guess static behaviors in my life, right? So, um, you know, I had a, when I was 14, I had an apartment at 6th and West Lynn. I caught my sister turning tricks in my bedroom. I got thrown out of there. I had to go stay with a friend for a while. Things went wrong. I had to move back home for a while, which was not a good place. Um, so I've just always been kind of on the move in my life. Um, at work, um, I um, learned to... Uh, really start to understand systems, and I got into the food business early. From Tijuana Taco, I swung into Whataburger, all right? And from there, it was some sort of like a diner experience for me. Those were easy for me to get along in, and I really related to the restaurant business I still do because in, I worked in kitchens. I managed kitchens uh, for many years. Um, and I, uh, but it was, there's like sort of a military system in there, and it's mainly guys, mm -hmm. you know, and so I really did relate to the way they related, the fraternalness of that, all right, and um, 
So I was with Kirby Lane for about 11 and a half years. I helped them open that place. We had a lot of fun, a lot of pot, a lot of drinking, no time clock, all right. Um, and then uh, from there, I went to work for Good Eats. I was with El Arroyo for seven, several years. I did Whole Foods. Um, and then I uh, eventually, and there were some other, you know, some, some other uh, restaurant roles in there, but they were short-lived. Um, I worked for Cisco Foods for a while. Uh, I managed Sonic uh, uh, programs and uh, seafood. Um, and I hated corporate life. I never went back after that. I tried it one time and said, fuck this shit. Um, the politics were horrible, and I stayed out of it and still do. Uh, I got to Magnolia. They hired me to come in and do evaluations on their cafes. I had quite a reputation at that point for restaurants and a great resume. Um, I did not want to do that, but I had a three-year-old, so I started, I, I went in and I went to their Lake Austin restaurant where they were being literally eaten out of house and home. Um, and so I got that sort of fixed up, moved to the South Store, and there my drinking and my using uh, kind of took a back door because I was serious about keeping that job, but, uh, but it blossomed right back after I got things set up. Um, and Magnolia was an easy place for me to be in because there was so much dysfunction in there, you know, and so much drinking. And it's where people came to, like, like someone would show up normal-looking, if you will, right? And Kent the owner used to say, what the fuck? This, some normal person would come in, and then, like, three months later, they'd be in a band, they'd be head-to-toe in tattoos, just, you know, this whole new person. And I... And I, and I said, this is where people come to do this, man. They came here to come here to metamorphose, all right? This is what you got. And, um, but I was able, inside of all of that, again, you know, to stand behind the, you know, the, the control that I started to, uh, to understand in my drinking was that in order for me to live my life and to function in relationship and to stay hidden and to keep up, all right, with my jobs, all right, I had to control my drinking, so I became a very controlled drinker, all right, I never drank in the daytime, I rarely, rarely drank seven days a week, um, and as my drinking grew over time, that actually ended up being all I could do, because I started having hangovers that would sometimes last me up to three days, um, so, um, and my drinking was binging, but I never really had any sort of blackout drinking until later, um, I, um, in my, I, in my late twenties, um, I was at Kirby Lane and I always had a rule and I still do never get your honey where you get your money. <laughs> and I broke that rule one time and I got a baby and a husband. <laughs> and, uh, he's great. He's a great guy. Uh, we're still friends. Um, I ended up ultimately marrying two more times. Um, and of course, they did all, you know, one, one, I was four and a half years in one marriage, seven and a half with my daughter's dad, and 16 in my third marriage. Um, I've been single now for 13 years. Um, so I've stayed out of relationship, all right, primarily relationship. Um, and, uh, and, and, and of course, when Alex came along, she's 33, my daughter, and uh, I had a whole plan for her. All right, because everything for me is always about the plan, because there was no plan for me in my life. All right, and so plans became really important to me. Um, and she surprised me because if you have kids, you know this. When they get here, 
like when I when I was pregnant, I thought this is exactly the way this is going to go down. Uh, yeah. And then I like have her, and she stares at me, and I'm like, holy fuck, she's already here, right? And they're, look, they're looking at you just like you're looking at me right now, right? And so that changed everything. So I uh, did a did a backup. I told my her dad's name is David. I said, David, I want to stay home. And so. I had two cars. I sold a car. I I, I gave notice. You know, I'd already given notice at work. I told work I wasn't coming back. Um, I sold a bunch of furniture. We moved into a smaller place, and I got to stay home with her for three years. Um, and I did kind of quit drinking during that time. And there were there were two times after that also too, where I felt like the focus in my life needed to change in in order for my life not to fall apart, uh, including rearing a kid. That. I was able to stop drinking and one one time for almost three years. And so I really thought I had it, you know, over on myself about the drinking, all right, that I could control all of that. But I didn't realize till later when I got here, and I've learned so much here, so so much, it's the university. Um, <laughs> that um, um, my drinking um, was I going to tell you guys about this part? I forgot. All right. Uh, this is all the marijuana use and psychedelics. That we're uh, but it'll come back to me. All right. Um, but um, but but for the most part, what ended up happening with oh with me as a parent was is that I really felt like I could, you know. Could, if I could control my drinking that way, then I could control everything in my life that way. But meanwhile, back at the ranch, I'm still really not stepping up to who I really am. I don't have authentic voices. I had a voice that I would create for every situation I was in that I needed to survive that worked for that situation. And I still kind of try to go to that sometimes today. And... Um, and it's a terrible idea, all right, because you have to keep stringing together, all right, where you left off, all right, trying to get to the tail end of that. Um, so that's something that I've really worked on, and one of the things that I've found out that I could do uh, to help that along is to just start telling the truth, all right, and fessing up to whatever it is or facing whatever it is in front of me right now. And, uh, and it's still a struggle, it's still homework for me, but I'm getting better at it, and the longer I'm in this program, um, certainly uh, things have improved in ways that I can't even describe to you. I had no idea how things were gonna change when I got into AA. Uh, because honestly, when I first got here for about a year and a half, I sat right over there where Elizabeth was, and I stared at those words up there, and I kept thinking, how can I loophole through here, man, and just get the hell out, right? It's all right there. But I couldn't. And, uh, and I still can't. I mean, they're clean and mean, and they make sense, and they work if you work them. Um, so um, I, um, let's see. Um, what time is that? Crap. Um, so... Um, the uh, what's going on right now for me these days uh, is well first of all I have to say that the program really didn't start to work for me until I actually started working the program of course okay mm -hmm. and one of the ways for that to happen was for me was just to quit avoiding coming to the fellowship itself so I'd come to lots of meetings but I wouldn't necessarily stick around 
All right, so I started changing that. I started making friends. There's some old littermates in here right now that I've, you know, we went through kind of the hell and high water together, and uh, and I still depend on them. And the and then the the other thing for me was is that I sort of had some sponsor hiccups. I couldn't nail a sponsor down. I'd get to the fifth step, and then they'd be gone. And it was always on. I mean, they left me, or I'd be like, why? What? What? You know, um, and so eventually I ended up finding a sponsor, uh, a great sponsor, and a friend of mine helped me find her. And uh, we've been working closely together, and I'm coming, and I'm on my fifth year, and I'm just now coming into the eighth and ninth step. All right, but I've listened a lot, I've learned a lot, I've been in AA a long time. All right, so I do understand where I'm at here, but the personal discovery that happens when you go through it and you do the action and you do the work and you do the follow through is without question. All right, the, it's where the real roots at of the program because without doing it, it, you can intellectualize it all day long. All right, and I did for, for many years. Um, and then um, I've um, I've been I've been really enjoying the benefits of not drinking early on. Mainly was I think what shocked me the most when I first quit drinking, and I would used to the, I used to talk about it all the time, and 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 I and I still think it all the time is that I had no idea how toxically sick I was until I quit drinking. I mean I just did not even remotely understand the physical place that I was in until the alcohol went away. And then I was just in shock because I couldn't, I didn't know what feeling good or not being hung over or being able to, you know, be a sober person looked like or felt like. And, uh, and so it took me a couple of years of really just feeling sort of lost and not sure. And of course, I went through a little bit of pink cloudy in my first year. Um, uh, and then after that, it was just, you know, a, a, a rampant nightmare of what am I going to do as a sober person? I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I was really afraid I couldn't do it. Um, and then the encountered with the sponsor issues, I was sort of like, I don't know, I don't know what's going on. But just keep coming, don't drink, read, keep the book open, pray. Uh, I got into meditation. I uh, still struggle with that. I'm a little ADD on that, but I really love meditation when I can get to it. Uh, it calms me down. And the other thing I've learned in my sobriety is to slow down. I'm a fast-moving talker, all right? And if I can, and I drive for a living, I've, I'll have a million miles in August. I've been driving for 20 years, and we monitor erosion controls. And it's my little company. And I got into that after the after the restaurant gig. I was like, man, I got I got to get out of the restaurant business. All right, I had it after Magnolia. I had 72 people on my schedule at Magnolia when I left there, uh, and it was 24 hours, and I had like 90 hour work weeks. So I got out. I got into the, to this job that I've got right now, and so I drive a lot. And um, the driving for me, all right. And especially the issues with the growth in Austin, all right. And I'm from here, so I have some, you know, I feel like I, ha I can be more pissed off than other people, <laughs> all right. I have friends who are like, can you believe how all these people that moved here, how bad they're driving? I said, that's not the people that moved here. That's the pissed off people that are from here. Yeah. <laughs> it used to take you 20 minutes to get somewhere, and now it takes you 45 for the same drive, right? And so it's a hard switch. But, um, but for me, that all came down to, and I'll give you one example of that, of 
I used to sort of tell people what I thought about them from my car without any combination whatsoever. And so one day this old guy cut me off at Barton Skyway in Manchac, and I was like, that motherfucker. Uh, there's no way I'm letting you get away with this, right? So I drive up. All right, and, I'm, and I have to drive trucks for my insurance and for my company. And so it's, I've got this truck. I pull up next to him. He's in this little blue car, and he did. He, he, he almost took me out. Um, and I uh, let my window down, and I look over, all right, and he's weeping into his hands at the light. All right, and I immediately was like, "Oh my God, what kind of monster are you?" Right? I it, it really made me start to understand that I don't know what's going on. All right, and um, and so you know, the thing that the drinking helped out for me was that the I mean, the amount of time I spent drinking and the amount of time I spent planning drinking and partying and keeping the money together for it. All right, and the entire lifestyle. All right really left me with a lot of free time on my hands, all right, when I gave it up. And, but what I, what I wasn't aware of was going to happen is, is that I was going to, at some point, basically, and this is the way it hit for me one day, I had, you know, continue to have aha moments of, I'm on to me now, all right, my patterns, you know, the way I think, the way I respond to things, how I react. And uh, the greatest gift that sobriety has given me is the ability to, like, be able to, like, live in, in a good way, get some control back in my life that I understand, all right, and that I can, that I can be part of. Um, so that, for me, is meant, you know, slowing things down, uh, trying to be nice to people, but, you, know, the, you know, sort of like the, you know, the, the obstacles point out the path, if you will, like when things are going wrong, I'm like, okay. This is, you know, this is a challenge on one hand, but it's an opportunity on the other hand to, like, do something different. And um, so that's been working out for me in a lot of areas of my life. Um, I'm still a little bit behind in the relationship side of all of that. Um, I'm wary of relationship, and I'm, uh, but I'm working on it. Um, and then um, the other thing I think that I, that I, that I really have, taken like a sidestep two that I need to get back into and this is a good place for me to admit it and I shared about it the other day is that I really kind of drifted away from the study side of the program and I think it has affected my spiritual side a lot <coughs> all right I'm having weird dreams all right I'm waking up anxious and I think it's all tied to my staying close to the routine of the program all right and whatever that can mean mean for me or and, and us because you know, some days I just wake up and I'm like, what? What's going on? Right? I still don't really understand sobriety. Um, so I try to create a good routine. I'm trying to learn how to master my mornings. Uh, I've been doing some reading about, you know, managing our lot, my life, uh, doing some outside reading from AA every once in a while. And so mastering your mornings kind of helps you, you know, get a bit grappled, you know, with, with the rest of the day better, staying organized. Um, and that's helped with my work a lot. Um, uh, you know, I, um, uh, I, I feel like that my life moved from where I was, you know, racing from one possible disaster to the next, all right, or trying to avoid it, to, um, you know, I just, I just had to stop. I had to stop what I was doing, you know, and stop, and, and stop 
being the person that I was. And uh, it's taken me a long time to learn how to do that, but um, I'm f about four and a half years right now. Um, I, I, I used to interview everybody. I'd like, I'd like corner people and ask them. It had a lot of years, different questions. And all of them told me the same thing. It was so weird. They were like, look, you need about five years, all right? And once you get to five years, things are gonna change for you. And, and, it, they, and they did, this is my fifth year. And this is the best year I've had yet. Uh, it's not a pink cloud, but I think what happens is is that you just get used to, or I've gotten used to, being sober, you know? I mean, it's not even about accepting it. It's just that it's part of my life now. And, um, and so that's a huge gift, all right? And the, and the amount of gifts that I've had from it, I could go on and on and gush over, but, you know, we all, you know, as an alcoholic and finally admitting that I was an alcoholic, all right, and coming to terms with that, and the ego that I had behind all of that, because um, I controlled everything. I was like, there's no way I'm an alcoholic. I'm fine. I'm just a partier, right? Um, getting, getting, grappling with that and finally coming to terms with that finally opened it up for me, all right? And, uh, and it all happened here. Uh, I go to other meetings. I travel some. I'm, I'm, I'm always amazed by meetings that there's this the group conscience, if you will, in an AA meeting is just everywhere I go, all right? It's the same idea. We're all here to get better. We're all looking at, at it in different ways, different times of our lives. If you're new, whether you've, you know, I listen to people with 30 years that are lost sometimes. I mean, it's just hard to sometimes um, remember that you just get to do life now. And sometimes life is gonna work out great and sometimes it's not. And so that's been good and big for me. Um, I don't miss drinking. Um, I've uh, one of the other things that's changed for me that I think is huge, and I will uh, always adhere to it, is I did a lot of reading about nutrition after I started getting sober because I couldn't figure out what this feeling good was all about. <laughs> all right, and so I read about the damage, and then I read about how to get better. And one of the things that I did was I got into a elimination program, all right? And I've stayed with it, and I don't, I try to stay away from foods or anything that trigger me or get me racing. Of course, sugar is huge in there. But just the trigger foods and, and that kind of deal, I really, that's, I actually left this out when I was a kid. I had huge weight problems, all right? Food was a big place for me to go to. Uh, and then later I really got into athletics and, of course, took that out to the addicts and, all right, running 10 miles, that kind of shit, which is terrible. Um, but, uh, um, but the, but, but really and truly, like, getting, like, get, I think, I guess really what it is for me is that having a really good vision for myself in self-care has so altered my program. All right, how I start my day with food, coffee, whatever it is, all right, I really stay close to that. But every once in a while, still, there's that person inside of me that's like, fuck this. This ice cream is toast, all right? I'm going down with cookies, whatever it is. I mean, I get in there, baked goods. Not good, all right. Uh, and so, and I and I, and when I do it, it's so funny because now I can kind of stand back at it like an observer and watch myself with this like willful attitude just attack me, all right. Because the next day when I wake up, I always feel hungover and not good, all right. And so, um, 
so I've been working on that, and that's been really good. Um, I'm um, really excited to continue working on my program. I feel like our, my step work um, has finally sort of taken uh, flight. Um, it's 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 not as much work as I thought it would be, but it's um, but it's still work. And one of the places I really suffer in is continuing ed education. All right, and that is you know going back to the book, continuing to read the book because as my life changes and morphs, my program changes and morphs, and the information that I've taken in from the beginning to now has changed. And so it's important for me to keep going back to the beginning. All right, and trying to hit the middle points again, or whatever it is, you know. Or sometimes I just love to open up uh, any of the publications I've got at home that are all, you know, not necessarily AA approved, um, but just, you know, sort of like point and shoot in there, all right, and read and just see where that sort of takes me, all right. Which is a huge rule-breaking thing for me, all right. I always read the book from one to end, all right. Um, and so that's kind of been kind of good for me to just sort of like, or or just stop what I'm doing, and. Um, and pray. You know, I'm learning to pray, and I spent 10 years in Catholic school, all right, I'm sorry, not 10 years, I spent seven years in Catholic school, mm -hmm. and uh, St. Mary's downtown, raised by really crazy Italians, they had like holy water on the doorways, dudes, it was, it was not, <laughs> it was not good, um, all right, it was real bad, all right, um, and, um, and just all this, like, you know, confession and guilt and, you know, all of that stuff that I didn't really understand how much that affected me until I got sober. One of the other things that's really come to light for me in my sobriety is how much I did to myself that I don't know anything about. All right. Or factory is very strong for me. A certain smell will just transport me back to a story or some stupid shit I did. Or I'm like, holy God, what else is buried in there? And so, you know, drugs from 13 to 15, all right, <clears throat> coming up on four and a half years sober, I spent my entire life buried in using, all right, or planning to use or controlling my use. And, uh, and so I'm set free from all of that now. Um, I don't want to go back. I don't ever think about relapsing, but I dream about it, all right? I read about it. I hear about it. Um, and I, one of the things that I think that comforts me in my fear of losing my sobriety is the ability to just, like, when I hear something that makes me uncomfortable or I hear something that makes me afraid, is like to really sit still in that, right, and lean forward into that and, like, listen to that person and see where they're from. Or even if it's something that somebody's saying where I'm like, oh, if, if they would just quit talking, I don't want to hear any of the things that they're saying. Those are really big moments for me to step up, all right, and be aware that I need to... Um, I need to face conflict and discomfort, all right? And and I am a creature of comfort. You, I mean, I have, like, I I love taking it easy and hanging out, all right? That's 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 my favorite thing to do. Um, so um, the um, other thing I wanted to talk about with that in my program is the... Um, um, oh is that as I've, you know, as I've come into, like, 
understanding how AA works, and you eventually get the aha. I did. We eventually got sort of the aha moment of how this program sort of all comes together and works. Is I'm I haven't really focused as much on services as I would as I wanted to in my program ever. Uh, I remember I got hornswoggled into doing the steering committee. Uh, <laughs> careful, all right. <laughs> but it's a good place, all right, because it teaches you about the government of AA and sort of the underlying legs of like whatever group you're in, specifically this one. Um, and uh, and 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 also too, you got you kind of you're on the inside job. Like you get these emails that are like. This is the shit that went down last Friday night. All right, there's some great gossip in there. Uh, but, uh, but for the most part, it helped me to understand sort of the governing legs of, of AA. And I didn't really think about that when I first came in. I didn't think about how does all of this work? How do we keep it together? All right. And the way we keep it together is by the, the, there's people in here that are, we're all together. We're all together managing it. All right, we're all helping. We're taking our turns. And, uh, and it's a big deal. Um, and um, but as far as service goes, I've tried to be a, a big part of my service is not being a, an asshole, oh. all right, um, and or apologizing when I am. Um, and then another part for me is there's been a couple of people in here that I've been able to kind of help, all right, and like take to the doctor, all right, and. Uh, buy them groceries or, you know, give them rides or whatever it is. But I haven't really been able to sponsor yet. And I really want to finish the steps before I do that because, to me, there's a, there's a you know, something that's happening to me as I'm going through these steps finally and really well is um, I'm seeing, I'm, I'm, what I want to do is I want to learn really well how to, how to relay it back out to someone once I'm with them. And I feel like once I finish... That'll be the best place for me to uh, start that. I also want to get through because I think that I've been every meeting I've been going to recently has been about I go to about four different meetings and I like I said I'm on the road and it kind of I chase the sun and so wherever I'm at I show up. But the, uh, the the what's been coming up for me a lot is 11 and 12. All right. And I'm really stuck in 11 or 12 right now, okay? I'm, I'm not angry about it. Um, I don't feel fear about it. I just feel like I really don't know about it, right? I don't understand how it really works. Um, and that might be because I really don't want to look at or be part of anything 8 or 9 has to do with my life, all right? Um, um, but I know I'm going to ace it, all right? Uh, and, uh, or I hope I do. But um, and and I'm really looking forward to learning, really learning, because I do I kind of do it on my own anyway. I'm a big note taker, like whoever invented post-it notes is my hero, and I, I like to write things down. All right, to remember them. I also like to write things down to manifest them. I believe when I came in here, I believed in manifesting. I have books on it. I we did workshops on it. I believe in it, even when I was drinking my ass off, and. The thing is, is that really woke me up when I came into AA and started figuring out how it works, is that it's all about writing, all right? And that's where the, that's one of the strongest forms of manifesting there is, all right? And so AA has got so much good in it, all right, and so much power in terms of, like, helping us to understand where we're going and through the action and the writing and each other and the organization, it's changed my life. I, I, I can't tell you what a mess I was. I looked okay on the outside, always had a good job, 
all right? Things seemed fine. Nothing was fine, all right? There was nothing good. Uh, at the end, I started blacking out. Um, I woke up uh, four different times. This is after Gail, my therapist, told me to get into AA, mm-hmm. all right? And I kind of ignored her right at first. Four different times, and... Uh, the first time I woke up, uh, uh, blacked out, which was new for me, okay? Not passed out, blacked out in my vehicle, and this happened three more times, and they, it was almost as in like they were identical each time. In my truck, all the windows down, AC on bl- blasting on high, radio turned all the way up, rocking out, okay? <laughs> fast food, trash all over my floorboard. I don't eat fast food. But I do. (laughs) But like, but like from four different places, like enough food to kill a moose, right? All gone, just empties. All right, receipts. My the whole truck is like a mess. I I wake up. I'm like. And the very first time it happened was at Barton Springs and South First Street, all right, at the Whataburger, okay? And I woke up, and there's the first thing that came into my mind, because I'm from here, you're going to fucking jail. <laughs> this is, this, you're, you, I cannot believe you're not being fingerprinted right now downtown by APD, because my truck was parked at an angle into, into Barton Springs Road, just right down the street. I rolled the windows up, drove home with one eye closed, okay, and did that three more times. The fourth time it happened was in my carport. Some of y'all have heard my story, all right, about my carport. Same scenario. Everything, windows down, radio going, fast food. Oh, I left out the receipts that I would find, all right. Uh, five bars, all right, four bars, three bars, and then I think the second time, just two bars, all right. So it was getting, you know, I was, could, couldn't handle my alcohol anymore, right. But... I only remember the first drink. Five bars, one drink. Okay? So that's when I knew this was going to do jail time at some point, which would not be cool. Or me have to stare at my daughter, my lovely, lovely 33-year-old perfect little thing, and tell her that I was a fucking alcoholic drunk, and or have to pay for DWI, which I did for my third husband, and they ain't cheap. So I wake up in my carport, all right? The whole scene's going on. I'm like, oh, my God, it's the twilight zone. And, but all of a sudden, the first thing I noticed is, is that there's this horrible smell. And I'm like, what is that smell? And it's hot. It's summertime. And, I, and, I, and all of a sudden, I kind of look down. All right, it's about 4.40 in the morning. My cabin lights are on. All right. And I look down, and my left boob is huge. And if you're a girl, you know what I'm talking about. Something's wrong with your boob. Right, what happened, right? And I'm like, oh my God, what happened to my boob? And uh, all this is going through my head, I'm sick, I can't breathe, there's food, the whole thing, the whole scene's bad. But there's this horrible, horrible smell, and finally I'm like, I have to address this issue. (laughs) And I just bought this new top, all right, and it was V-necked, and so I'm like, and I open it up to see what happened, and I go, and I pull out a cheeseburger from (laughs) one. With a big comical bite out of it. <laughs> perfectly around my boob. Nothing is wrong with it. Needed a shower. All right. And I thought, this is the end. And it was. And um, so I listened to Gail. I came in here. I sat right there. I listened to Steve. 
I listen to everybody. I love all you guys. I can't tell you how much it's meant to me to do this. I hope I kept it relevant, and I actually want to do this again so that I can get better at it. Uh, and uh, and I hate to share. I never hardly ever share in meetings. I'm a complete jerk about it. All right. And what I want to do is start telling on myself and being more honest and showing it better and doing more and staying in it as best I can because really at the end of the day what's important to me is to learn how to be a better person because nothing else matters more than that than finding that vibe and sticking with that and that more than anything is what AA has brought to me and I get to be part of something bigger than myself which I've never been into and not only just the higher power part but you guys you know and uh, thank you for everything and thank you for listening to all my friends.